Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed It's the California Report magazine. And on today's show, some parts of our state may be relaxing shelter-in-place restrictions, but we'll meet a family from L.A.'s Koreatown who've been devastated by the virus. Family is just not replaceable. If I could get the coronavirus in place of my parents, I would. And we'll hear an audio diary from a doctor who's part of a California delegation to treat COVID patients in the Navajo Nation. This may very well be not only a virus that takes lives, but also fundamentally strikes at the heart of their culture and and their history. Plus, high school seniors from the class of 2020 share messages to their fellow graduates transitioning to adulthood in the midst of a pandemic. I feel for you, and I promise you, though, that everything happens for a reason, and that whether we believe it right now or not, things will get better. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine, your state, your stories. My grandma came to live with us yesterday. Before her arrival, her crooked old medical bed came first and we crammed it into our living room. We live four to a two bedroom apartment in a part of Koreatown that hasn't been gentrified yet. That's 22-year-old Hannah Hayen Kim of Los Angeles. She's a student at Cal State LA. Her grandmother came to live with her family recently after a local Korean radio station urged people to bring their elders home to keep them safe from COVID-19 outbreaks at nursing homes. Hannah sent us this essay as part of a collaboration with the Koreatown Youth and Community Center. With the quarantine in effect, my dad cannot run his small acupuncture clinic we had to make the difficult decision to close. We've been filling out more and more financial applications as the bills keep coming in. Hannah Kim sent us that essay last month. When we followed up with her, she said that soon after moving in with them, her grandmother got sick with COVID-19. There were no symptoms. She wasn't coughing or anything like that. Uh, A few days passed and then It was my birthday. All of a sudden, like, she started spiking a really bad fever. Like, we didn't know what to do. She was sweating, like, so much. Her limbs were, like, shaking, and then her eyes rolling to the back of her head. It was just, like, so scary. By the end of, like, that week, the hospice nurse would come to our home and kind of tell us that it's, like, nearing the end for her my grandma and she was kind of telling us that when it does near the end you're gonna know and the way that she said it 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 was really daunting and so scary because she said 
at the end, they're going to gasp for air. I would look to my grandma and see if she was gasping for air. Hannah's family eventually had to make the hard decision to send her grandma to the hospital. She was put on a ventilator and then passed away. Over the last few weeks, things have gotten harder for the family. Both Hannah's parents got sick with COVID-19. Both of my parents are in the ICU as of now. Um, My dad is on a ventilator. He's very, very sick with the coronavirus. And he just had kidney failure. He has very uh, severe diabetes and he has high blood pressure. And... He's on 100% um, max amount of oxygen that the ventilator can like provide them. And so they're really out of options right now. He's still very, very sick. And so when I talk to the nurse practitioner, um, a lot of times she'll say, uh, I don't know if he's gonna make it or not, or if he's, you know, even gonna get better. And for my mom, she we thought she was okay. She was uh, able to breathe a little bit better because she was calling us and texting us, but all of a sudden she, you know, started declining and then they had to move her to the ICU. Uh, she didn't have any pre-existing conditions. She's very healthy. I really think that my mom got sick from my grandma. With both her parents in the hospital, Hannah is the one in charge at home. She's got a 17-year-old younger brother. Yeah, it's been really lonely with just us two, but I'm just very grateful that I have a younger brother to be with. But Hannah's having to open all the bills and try to figure out how to pay them. With her dad's acupuncture clinic closed, there's no income. And the family was in the process of getting evicted before the pandemic hit. She says the one source of support she has these days is her church. My church friends, (laughs) every other day, they will drop off like homemade food for us. I just feel so blessed and like, you know, happy that I have them. I'll watch like random videos on TikTok and then I'll see like all these teenagers and like young adults like having so much fun in their quarantine. I'm having a terrible time in my quarantine right now um, because my family isn't um, together. Family is just not replaceable. If I could get the coronavirus in place of my parents, I would. And so I have those thoughts. If I if they pass now, like, what am I going to do with my life, you know? Yeah, it's very hard for me to go down that hole because it's really, I'm just spiraling at that point, just like thinking and thinking and thinking. But there's like no end to that if I don't catch myself. And I'll just literally start crying in the corner of my room if I don't catch myself. The only thing I can really do is just hope and pray that they'll get better. And I have to take care of my brother. That's my responsibility right now. Hannah says it's eerily quiet at home without her parents. She's trying to figure out how to make it feel more comforting for her brother. 
so I kind of want to make like a childlike environment at home and so we could like you you know we've been making like forts and stuff <laughs> so we're like let's just bust out some like fairy lights I bought some polaroids like polaroid film so we could like take pictures I have no one else to lean on and I don't have anything else other than like my beliefs to really trust in so yeah I'm just trying I'm trying my best <laughs> A few days later, a social worker from the hospital called to tell Hannah she could visit her mom and dad at the ICU. They're not in the same area, but she could peer at them through different windows. The nurse was telling me today that it's going to probably shock me to see him because he's hooked up to so many monitors. The tube's going inside his mouth. It's going to be, like, really hard. I'll probably, like you know, uh, like break down and sob in front of all the nurses and doctors there because I still love him so much. I still want to see, like, I want to be there for every step of his process, you know. As for her mom, Hannah can bring a letter for the nurses to give her. I'm very old school, too, so I, I like writing things out. Yeah, I wrote some song lyrics, Korean song lyrics, that like some songs that we listen to together old school <laughs> lyrics but they bring a lot of meaning and you know basically about how I miss her so much like I want to wake up to you just like you know like being together the two of you I want to talk to you every single day. Hannah Hayen Kim sharing her audio reflections. She and her brother have both tested positive for COVID, too, and they've lost their sense of smell, although they don't have many other symptoms. They've been alone at home now for four weeks. Their mother is steadily improving. Their father passed away last week. California healthcare workers are not only putting in long hours here in our own state, but some are traveling to places where the pandemic is much worse, like the Navajo Nation, which has the highest per capita rate of COVID-19 cases in the country. It's an area that extends into Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, and the illness is spreading rapidly. It's a community where family members of different generations often live together, and a third of homes don't have running water or electricity. Dr. Eileen Alku of UCSF is taking care of patients recovering or quarantining in motel rooms near the reservation. As I've been going to the same motel for three weeks now, 
seeing people sometimes every other day, sometimes every day, depending on how sick they are. And I'm in that hallway in full PPE, worrying about other people, toting my bag of Sani wipes and throat lozenges and Tums and toenail clippers, trying in any way to make those staying in the hotel, their lives a little bit easier, a little bit better. And I'm always struck in how many folks, when they hear me knocking on someone else's door, that they open their door and pop their heads out and ask if I'm going to come visit today. And one man said to me today, it's so important just to know that someone cares. In the next room, I was leaning down to examine the infant sister of a toddler staying with her family in a hotel room as they recover from coronavirus. And thankfully, the children are not very sick. And as I knelt down to examine the five-month-old, her three-year-old toddler sister very deliberately and methodically removed everything from my back pockets, pulling out each of my pens, my phone, followed by my wallet. And she came right up to me, even though I was in head to toe what would have otherwise been a terrifying outfit of face shield, gown, gloves, and mask. It's quite, it's quite dire in that um, I don't think there's a single family that I have met that hasn't been touched by death from coronavirus. There is an enormous amount of fear an enormous amount of anxiety, not only from healthcare workers, but also from community members. Uh, many of those that I am counseling that it's safe to leave the hotel are either themselves too afraid to go home or their family members are too afraid to let them return. I'm just struck with how deeply the infrastructure has been neglected and eroded or just never existed where access to clean water is just really not an option and so many of our community members have to drive over two hours to be able to haul water that is safe for them. I have a patient who is in her 80s and she and her husband are unable to return to their home and that's all she really wants to do but the daughter who used to haul water for them and make sure that they would have nutritious food and she would drive hours to be able to get that to them She died of coronavirus last week, and while mourning her daughter's loss, this older woman is having to face the fact that she may never be able to return to her home again because there's no one else who can help to to get her water and food. And the, the desperate fear of what this will do to their community, to their elders who are the keepers of oral history and the Navajo history in many ways that This may very well be not only a virus that takes lives, but also fundamentally strikes at the heart of their culture and and their history. Eileen Alku is one of 35 UCSF healthcare workers caring for patients in the Navajo Nation, where some 5,000 people have been infected with COVID-19. This story was produced by KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg. There's a lot of pressure on frontline healthcare workers right now during COVID-19, and they're at high risk of burning out from the stress. KQED arts and culture reporter Chloe Veltman brings us the story now of one California nurse who's figured out some creative ways to try to nurture herself and the people around her. Most days after work and on the weekends, Amine Mogadam heads out into nature. 
She lives in Benicia, along the San Francisco Bay, and lately she started bringing a camera along on her walks down to the waterfront. Amine snaps pictures of whatever captures her interest. Flowers, graves, birds. She admits she's not much of a photographer. When I see the actual nature, I feel like it's going to be that beautiful in the picture. But when I look at the picture, it's like, oh my God, this is nothing like what is actually outside. But snapping away and then posting her favourite photos on social media is one thing that's helping this nurse practitioner get through her day. Since this COVID thing, I'm paying more attention to the beauty of the nature. I feel like the sky is more blue. All of this is in stark contrast to Amine's working life. Right now, she's spending a chunk of it in a sweaty tent, sticking swabs up people's noses. So I'm going to put this swab inside your nose for 20 seconds. You can do it. You can do it. Amine kindly made this recording during one of her recent shifts, testing people for the COVID-19 virus. So put your head back and relax. You can do this. Are you take my mask off now? Uh, yes, but then cover your mouth though. Cover okay. your mouth. Amine usually works in primary care and cardiology at Contra Costa Regional Medical Center. As a little girl growing up in Iran during the Islamic Revolution, Amine learned from her mom about the importance of looking out for others. My mom was very involved in helping the soldiers, helping everybody. So it's kind of like in situations like that, you feel like you have to go help. Amine spent her early career as a nurse helping soldiers who'd returned with PTSD from the war in Afghanistan. She's used to dealing with human suffering, but this pandemic is really scary for her. Whenever I swab and the test comes positive a few days later, something in my heart drops. We're just starting to get a sense of the psychological impacts of COVID-19 on healthcare workers. In a recent survey of more than 1,800 nurses and doctors in China, around 40% of the respondents said they were suffering from anxiety or insomnia. Amine has also struggled. And I started having these really, really bad nightmares. Her sister-in-law in Iran suggested she write down whatever's on her mind. So recently, Amine started keeping a journal. Sometimes she writes about her patients. Today was a hard day. I called Miss Garcia. She told me she was feeling really dizzy. She said, food ran out two days ago. I ended up delivering food for her, sitting down with her and listening to her for a while. At other times, she fills the pages with thoughts about another one of her new passions, baking. Yesterday I made strawberry banana cheesecake. My son, he likes moist chocolate cakes. I make that last week. Amine's college-age son, Kave, says when his mum comes home from a hard day at the hospital, she doesn't lie on the couch or watch TV. She heads straight to the kitchen and starts cooking. It's a way for her to let go and release all her stress and anxiety and put it in something that she's very passionate about and that she's very good at. Amine routinely brings her homemade dishes to the Islamic Cultural Center of Northern California in Oakland. She's active in the center's program to feed local homeless people. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. So you're here for the food collection? Yeah, we are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How many meals do you have today? Um, is it 200, I think? I think 250. Oh, Amine says she plans to continue to make food for her community, as well as take more nature pictures and chronicle her experiences in her journal. A lot of sad and unfortunate things have been going on. 
but honestly Chloe I I really try to focus on the good things otherwise it's very hard for me to live she says those good things will carry her through whatever the future brings for the California report I'm Chloe Veltman I'm Dana Staff from San Jose. I'm a marine biologist and I study squid. Last week, the family who lives across the street was asking me about squid. So in my window, I taped up a squid print, a picture made from a real squid, along with a little bit of information. I realized people would have questions, so I got some chalk and wrote on the sidewalk in front of my house, a squid scientist lives here. Got questions about squid? Ask and I will answer. And people really got excited. I've had 23 questions so far. Someone asked me to show how long a giant squid would be, so I drew a 40-foot-long giant squid on the sidewalk, tentacles and all. My kids run out every morning to see if there are any new questions. We're all having so much fun. We want to know what's bringing you joy these days. Give us a call at 415-636-9801. That's 415-636-9801. And leave us a voicemail. We might play it on our show in the coming weeks. One of the brighter spots of this pandemic is the way people are coming together to help each other. Hey, are you Bobby? Yeah, I'm Bobby. Great. I'm from uh, Dame Sue Care Motorcycle Delivery. I got some masks for you. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Have a good one. That's a motorcycle rider delivering face masks to a healthcare organization on her bike. She's part of a motorcycle collective called Dames Don't Care, and they're calling this new effort Dames Do Care. They're based in San Francisco, but travel as far away as Sonoma, Santa Cruz, or Sacramento to drop off medical supplies. Lucy Carrera says she got the idea for the program after reading an article. It had this chick in her black leathers at night on her motorcycle with her mask on and she was delivering PPE in New York. And I was like, yeah, that is what I want to be doing and um, maybe somebody else wants to do it too. I was so surprised how many people signed up. I mean, we had We had 20 volunteers in a couple of hours, and it just grew exponentially. We were all just trying not to freak out. And this gave us something to do to help and gave us a reason to ride our bikes. I was trying to uh, uh, estimate how much stuff we did. And I, I literally think it might be 20,000 masks. It's huge. That was Lucy Carrera. She's director of Dames Do Care Motorcycle Delivery. By the way, their club is open to everybody, not just dames. That story was produced by Bianca Taylor. On April 1st, two weeks after quarantine, I sat in my room and cried. That's Rachel Livenall. She's a graduating high school senior from the Central Valley city of Merced. For the first time, reality sank in as I realized those last few days on campus with barren hallways and classrooms were my last days in high school. Governor Newsom's announcement made all seniors' hopes fade in one instant. Uh, that now 
maybe very anxious about the expectation your school is not going to reopen. You may That's a clip from a new podcast called COVID-18, which Rachel produced with the help of We Said Youth Media. It's about what it's like to step into adulthood and turn 18 as the world is racked by a pandemic. Rachel talks with other high school seniors about how they've been coping during this very strange time. When large changes happen in our lives, mental health is usually the first thing to fluctuate. Lyrical Adam, senior at El Capitan, felt her motivation lacking early on. Like, I don't have the energy to get out of bed like I would if I was going to school. Right now, it's kind of just like I wake up and I just want to go back to bed because I already know I have nothing to do. It's like this is like holding me hostage inside of my house. The podcast follows several teens as they navigate difficult living situations, college acceptance, trying to do homework online, and coming to terms with missing out on big milestones. For Akina Westmoreland from Buhat Colony High School and myself, who had been dreaming of it since I was five years old, the loss of one event in particular would be especially devastating. Prom. It's something very special, and especially if you're a student that starts off struggling and then you're finally being able to pick yourself up, it's definitely something that means a lot more to you. The third episode of the COVID-18 podcast comes out this week. Another project called Senior Year Interrupted asked students to submit videos sharing their stories to KQED, the station where we produce the California Report. I am a first-generation immigrant from Guatemala. In graduation, it meant more than just walking a stage and getting a piece of paper. It meant that I could be the role model to other students of color who are told that they're just going to be high school dropouts because of the color of the skin. But thanks to Rona, that ain't going to happen. We are all fully aware that things can be much worse. My graduation getting canceled is definitely less important than people being ill and people getting better. It doesn't make my feelings of disappointment and the millions of other seniors' feelings of disappointment any less valid. Fellow seniors and everyone else, if you had something planned that was really important to you that was canceled, I feel for you. And I promise you, though, that everything happens for a reason and that whether we believe it right now or not, things will get better. You know, this is going to be a very definitive time for our era. And I hope that like in the future, we will be a generation that can go forward and take preventive action and invest in public health infrastructure and, and be the people that will make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Who would have knew my last day of school would have been in March? Last day of them classrooms and a busy halls. Last day in that building seeing them same walls. I never thought that I would see something like this at all. We living in a pandemic, feel like the whole world is damaged. And now we stuck in the house outside the people are vintage. It's time to hear the whole planet. My life I took it for granted. I missed them days going out before the people were panicked for real. I know this new way of living hasn't been so ideal. But this is what we got Excerpts to from videos by graduating seniors Angel Palencia, Mandy Villanueva, Olivia Sally, and Justin Walton. Congratulations to all the graduates in the class of 2020, and good luck. And that's the California Report magazine for this week. 
Our show is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon. Amanda Font is our director, and our technical producer is Rob Spate. We had additional engineering from Seal Muller and Katie McMurrin. Our intern is Ariella Markowitz. Special thanks this week to Chanel Ignat, Ariana Prail, Teresa Wersbianska, and Tim Haydock of the Youth Leadership Institute. And a big shout out to Katherine Kim from LA's Koreatown Youth and Community Center. You can always hear more California stories if you subscribe to our podcast, The California Report Magazine. Just look for the bear wearing earbuds. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Koka. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems, and HINT, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry, no sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.